Hello all, welcome to this episode of Buzzing, a Glasgow-based podcast talking about all things culture and art. I am your host, Natalie Nicolaides. This podcast was brought to you by Hive Curatorial Collective, a collective consisting of five independent curators based between Glasgow and Berlin. Within our projects, Hive works with artists who address issues surrounding ecology and ethics through the medium of exhibitions, installations and publications. The aim of the podcast is to have semi-casual to casual conversations and discussions around contemporary issues, not only within the world of art, but also using artistic work to translate the world around us, ranging from performance to sculpture and film to music. If you like what you hear and you'd like to reach out and chat, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram and find us on Facebook under Hive Curatorial Collective. In this episode, I am joined by fellow Hive member Anais Janze Nadera as we talk about gender neutrality across languages and debate if English is the only viable linguistic option. I hope you enjoy. Is English the only viable language for the non-binary? I mean, I think the way is already easier for mm-hmm. English mm-hmm. than from other languages. You would have to change way too, too much. Way too much. Yeah. So that just, that's, a, that's why I asked uh, the other day, I was like, do we need to change the way it's taught instead of saying this is male, this is female? Would we have to describe it as something else? But then again, then the whole, oh god, it's like a, it's like a can of worms. Mm-hmm. That you can change these two things, but then everything else needs to change. That is a can of worms. I guess in Greek, thinking as how I was taught, so if you were to say, I don't know, it was easier for me to learn words just as they were and not related to male or female. But then again, you need to know what that category of word is so you can change the rest of the verbs after it. Mm. It's the same in Spanish, although I was really uh, surprised to learn that in some countries the gender changes. For example, refrigerator in Spanish is uh, female, but in some con- in Mexico it's female. Uh, but in some countries like Ecuador or Colombia, it can be male. You can also just change the the noun for it. You can just say el or la if you want. So it's not the. No. In Greek, it's the dopsiu. It's the thing that freezes. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you want to gender a fridge? But also, doesn't that make you think, like, if if inanimate objects, like fridges, are gendered, yeah. but human beings are also gendered, like, are we on the same playing field as refrigerators? Yeah. That's why it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But then again, they also say in Greek, uh, the dog, doski lagi, so the puppy, or the dog, little dog. And that's also the... I mean, it just, when you start gendering things, I feel like it gives it like a personality or like a humanness. Yeah, it's like on the buses, some of the buses when they're not working in Glasgow, (laughs) they say, sorry, I'm out of service. And I remember reading and I was like, why do I want to have a personal connection with this bus? Yeah, it's still cute though. Yeah, but why? But cute, but also... Instead of making you rage about it being not available to you for your <laughs> ride home, yeah, 
it makes you think, oh, the bus, oh, the poor is bus not is available. Sleeping. It needs to go rest. <laughs> and it should have a big plaster on its forehead. Yeah, like, I got a bobo. Yeah, but also at the same time, I was like, why do I need to feel like this inanimate object is has a personality? Although having said that, my car had a personality. She was a bitch. Well, I think it's very human for humans to try to make everything a little bit more human. Yeah, I think there was a study about you know how when you look at wood or marmor, you always find faces. Yes. That's just human instinct. You find, like, your brain is constantly trying to make faces where there aren't any faces. To make it more recognizable to you? I think so. Okay. But that's a legit thing. Like, every, like, I remember it in my grandma's uh, house. I would always look at the wood and I would see so many weird faces. That's terrifying. I would always, no, I always say, there were funny faces. Okay, all right. Um... <laughs> But uh, I always thought that it was weird that I would see faces. And then I learned that everybody does that. Mm. Everybody just recognizes faces everywhere. I mean, you do look at, you do look for it. Yeah. You look for something that's familiar. Otherwise, if it's unfamiliar, unfamiliar, and then you dip into the uncanny valley. I wonder why we need to do that. Why we need that comfort. Is of... it also a female thing, like an eco-feminist thing? You think so? I don't know. Do Maybe to think... have more empathy Maybe. towards objects that are inanimate. Maybe. It does... I think it does really work. Like with the bus, it makes you have empathy for the bus that has been riding the whole day. <laughs> Maybe it's tired. But just like on the practical side of languages, it's just so much easier if you don't need to learn what is female and what because obviously for every in every language it's different what is female and what is male yeah so if you don't need to learn that it's just easier if everything is neutral you can learn the language which is why so many people speak english yeah it's so attainable yeah definitely yeah i'm just thinking more about greek sentences and how it's kind of because everything revolves around this one word that you're moving to try and get across in a sentence and everything else needs to change. That sounds like a nightmare. It really is. Especially if you're not sure if it's a male or female word. Yeah. Which is where I often would hiccup <laughs> when writing in Greek. So you don't have a neutral, a neutral words in Greek. It's either masculine or feminine, that's it? Depending, yeah. No, no, definitely. Okay, every, so you like Spanish. Yeah, every every subject that you're talking about has to have male or female. Okay, so that adject adjective, verb, and nouns would change depending on yeah. the word. Yes, and that's ninety five percent of the sentence. <laughs> yeah, and every sentence. So if you're talking about one specific subject. The whole paragraph needs to reflect back to that subject via the ends of the words. Yeah. And this is why I feel Greek. <laughs> I don't know, I always thought that grammar was easy. I had a really good grammar teacher though. Grammar for what language? Spanish. We had Spanish and English. Hmm. And I never had a German grammar teacher, that's why my German is not the best. I 
think if you learn it, I mean, I just, if you're learning a different language, it's really, it makes it easier if you know your own uh, grammar in your own language. Yeah. It just, it, I guess it's easier to compare. I guess so. But I think it gets confusing to the, when, like you said in Spanish, it's the sun and the moon, and then somehow they're the complete opposite. Yeah. And you're just like, why? Why do you do this? Ultimately, I think English has the best chance of leading the way in non-binary. Maybe not with the pronouns you were mentioning before, zer. And what was that one? I think it's ze, zer, and her. Her with like h, i, r. H, i, r. Okay. Z, i, r. Yeah. And z, e. Those are the three. So it's basically like changing woman to w, o, m, x, m. (laughs) Essentially. We'll just change the first letter. It does sound like that. I would like to read why they thought this letters were the best ones to represent a gender neutral pronoun. When they are so close to yeah. he and she. Yeah, I remember studying English grammar and it was just the easiest thing, especially the verbs. Whenever it was we, it was just ing at the end. Mm. Everything else basically was the same. It was the only easy A. Are you quoting that movie, Will? No, I have never seen it. Okay, I have never seen it either, yeah. but... That was legit the easiest out of all of them. I think Italian had 7 to 11 different tenses. I know because we had a verb book. Well, I had to memorize all the verbs. Obviously, that didn't go down well because I can't remember basically any Italian. Although I think we did pretty well in Italy. I did pretty I well. I mean, I taught Spanish. That's why I did well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you taught there. Uh, very, very broken Italian. Okay. But I understood everything. Just cause yeah, my... it's somehow easier to understand. Talking yeah. is just especially when I'm for some reason I think Italian is close to Greek in verb wise and tense wise and everything wise except how it sounds so whenever I go to speak Italian my mind starts thinking in Greek and I'm like that's not the language I'm looking for I have the same thing I have the same thing when I it just mixes up with my Spanish and I I think it's because there only was romance and it's just like a yeah but Greek is not Greek is just like well then you're just crazy yeah yeah. It's like, for some reason, whenever I'm thinking Greek and I want to say they, so afti, I always think loro, and I'm like, no, no, that's the wrong language. But again, that's gender neutral, but not applicable to everything. Although, I yeah, no, I remember when I was writing Greek, I would often write they, just because it was easier, and I got marked down for it. Aww. And I really don't know where all the accents go. Why are there so many different kinds of accents? In Spanish, we just have the line. Yeah, in Greek. To one side. It never turns to the other side. It always knows where it wants to go. <laughs> and I think in Greek, we even have the, the two dots as well. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Does it sound the same as in German? What does it do? 
It's like my name is Nikolai Vs. Is when the I is really accented. You put the two dots. So normally my name is written with two dots in on the I. Oh, um, you never told me that. Okay. I always bitch about my two dots, and I you never said anything. <laughs> And I use two dots. So yeah, when the E, because there's like 10 million different types of E. Mm-hmm. There is O-I. Well, it looks like O-I in English. It would look that way. It's E that looks like a little N, but with a tail. But when you really want to enunciate the uh, the E, you would put the two dots on top of the I-looking mm-hmm. symbol. That makes sense. But then again, in German, it just changes the pronunciation completely of the word. Why would it then become... Well, if it's an O, for example, it would be, it just, you would still say O, but you would pronounce it almost as a U, like mm-hmm. a O-U, yeah? Okay. Yeah, it's only on eyes that they put the two dots in Greek, as far as I'm aware. It's been a long time since I've read and written Greek. Do you only put it on the, on top of an O, or does it go? No, it's all, it's actually everything, all vocals except the i i think the i doesn't no it never has one mm. so it's only a e o u sometimes y ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, grandma i'm a joke <laughs> no i have to say i think my favorite language after english is french why uh just because it I... sounds pretty don't say that that's not a reason. No, I wasn't going to say that. It just okay. it seems easier than Greek when it comes to especially gendered words and then gendered endings of verbs and so on and so forth. How is it in French? I don't know. It is also gendered. But somehow, maybe it's because I learned it better. It just seems easier for me. So they only have masculine and feminine and that's it? I... Do not they have quite sure. I don't know if they have neutral. I need to look it up. But for me, it kind of felt more natural, mm. French. Whereas Greek was just literally like pulling teeth. Like German to me. How long did it take you to learn German? Well, my dad talked German to me since I was born, basically. So my mom swore at me in Polish. I didn't learn <laughs> Can you understand Polish? No. Nope. I used to be, I used to, when I was younger, I used to understand it. And then I just went out of my head. Yeah. So can you imagine if you've got dyslexia as well, and then you've got this monstrous language with everything changes yeah. from one sentence to the other. Even like the beginning of words, of verbs in Greek, when you're talking about them in different tenses, the beginnings of the verbs change. Oh. But the middle of the verb stays the same, but the beginning, the, the first letter Changes and, and, and the end bits oh, change. Oh, that's so confusing. Like, let me think of a... Uh, normally to an A, the first letter turns to an A, and then the, the ending is just conjugated as it usually would be. And so with A's, uh, for example in Spanish, if something is ending with A, it's mostly female, and if something is ending oh, yeah. with O, it's mostly male. Do yeah. so you have that in Greek as yeah, well? Yeah, it's the same, yeah. So yeah, if it's O-S, but like the squiggly S, it's male. Yeah. Or A, yeah, woman, female. Yeah. But then it could also be O. I think in Spanish, mo- most 
traditional first names were always standard. But now, with so many new modern names, it gets a little bit more difficult because then it can be that a man has a name that ends with an A and then people get confused. Quite like that. What were they looking at him? They're like, but your name ends with an A. Why are you here? Yeah. Me, like, no. For example, I had this uh, guy in my class in high school and I don't remember what his full name was, but we used to call him Silva and it ended with A. So it was a very feminine name, I guess, in the minds of everybody. But it just sounded cool because it was for a man. Yeah. So it felt very edgy. <laughs> Even names, yeah, you're right. First names, last names. Right? Oh my god. I really like that. So my mom really hates her name because it's basically my grandpa's name, but in feminine. I love your mom's name. I love it too. It's so pretty. So she's called Olivia. But her uh, dad was called Oliverio. Mm. Um, and she just felt like it was a man's name and that it was just not her name because it was just like my dad, but with A in the end. I mean, I guess if you're always used to hear the name of your parent, who's a man, and then you understand that you've got the same name. Mm. I mean, I get that she felt a little bit like, but why did you give me my dad's name? I read somewhere that I think in older Mexican cultures, there used to be more genders than just two. Ooh. I think either three or four, I'm not completely sure. But it was very widely accepted that there were more genders than two and that people were allowed to cross those boundaries if they wanted and they didn't have to stay in one if they didn't want to. Mm -hmm. I think that's quite nice. I think we've got that eventually. We we got back to having that. And I would say that that was what, is what queer is, I'd like to say. Because now yeah. the LGBTQ plus community, they have so many categories. Like I call it. Whenever there's a new one. That's why I like, like queer, labeling. because it's just putting everybody under one banner. Yeah. Instead of, we, like, that classification with the, with the um, male and female and neutral and everything. The more you want to classify, the, the more walls you put up and the more you separate each group. Yes. So it's just easier to just have a gender neutral language that is inclusive of everything and everyone just like it makes sense to have the lgbtq plus community yeah. labeled as queer yeah and not divided into a hundred categories which it is now and it gets to a point like I, i'm always saying this whenever there's one that i recently discovered i'm like why don't you just put a label on the freaking label making machine <laughs> like well i do feel i don't feel that it's that really ridiculous. I do feel that it's that you need to put a name on everything so that you so that people know that it exists. Yes. But the problem comes when you segregate each yeah. group. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean luckily they kind of move together. Yeah. As a cluster. 
But no, going back to the girls that I work with, I think the one thing that annoyed me the most out of their poor excuse for an argument was, I think they're just going too far now. Oh, yeah, they're going too far argument. And I was just, no, they haven't gone far enough. Yeah. We need to keep going. We're going so damn slowly. We're waiting for everybody else to catch up with us, including... Well, I mean, I feel like once the boomers are gone... I was going to say that. Things are going to be easier for us. For everybody, not only for us. I just think if you're raising a child, I think it's more important to not impose anything on them because of their gender. Yeah, if people want to reproduce, I guess they are free to do so. (laughs) Just be educated about it. And if you... And raise your child gender neutral. Like, if they start now raising children gender neutral, then imagine how much more time we will have to potentially save the planet. So Because we're not banging on about male or female. What would be the most important part for you if you would be raising a child gender neutral? What would... What would be the things that you would do? How do you mean? Like... What would you do? From the beginning? Yeah. I'll just give the child yellow things. <laughs> Pretty much. I find that yellow is an adorable colour for a child. Yeah. And Winnie the Pooh stuff. Winnie the Pooh's also yellow. I'm not gendered, I guess. Although he is a man. Well, he's voiced over as a man. Does it... But it does... Talk about he as a him. Yeah. I don't know, don't ring Winnie the Pooh for me. See, it just... <laughs> Actually, all of them are male. Male, there's no female character. Kanga, and, but Kanga. The mom. The mom with the baby. The mom with the, the baby. Room. But does she have any... I don't think she really has no. a backstory or anything. She, she just, just carries around Rue in her pocket. Does she talk? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think Winnie the Pooh passes the black eye test. <laughs> Sorry. I think the only thing that t- passed that what was it called again? Plechter. Plechter test is the unbelievable series on Netflix. But that's just because it was written, produced, and directed by women. Yeah. And I am still mad about Tuca and Birdie. What else should we talk about? Do you have some more Stichpunkte? Stichpunkte? What? Do we need to change how language is taught? We already established that that will be near to impossible because can of worms. Yeah, but I mean, languages are always evolving, so that gives me hope. Yeah, I don't know. I well, I already said it. English is easier to change than German or Spanish and or Greek. It's also just infuriating because it's the language of the colonizers. How dare you be the most progressive language? I know. <laughs> oh, I never thought of it like that. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> Did I open a can of worms? Yeah. Yeah, I think you just ruined English for me. I apologize. <laughs> what about Esperanto? That was supposed to be a universal language. Was that gender neutral? What? Esperanto. So, it was created in 1887. Nice. So, it was supposed to be an international auxiliary language. That's why it was created. And it means one who hopes. That's so cute. Yeah. Is it 
Spanish based? I'm not sure. It does sound like it's a little bit Latin, mm. I would say. Um, so the original title for the language was Lingua Internacia, which means the international language. Mm-hmm. But early speakers found the name Esperanto uh, prettier. Oh, so it's not that. Okay, so I thought that it was already a dead language because mm-hmm. it didn't work as an international language. Mm-hmm. But apparently there are approximately 2 million users. That's quite a lot. It is quite it's a lot. It's more than the population of Cyprus. So in 1905, uh, Samenhof, uh, he's the creator, he published the Fundamento de Esperanto as a definitive guide, guide to the language. Mm-hmm. And you can still buy that apparently, so you can just learn it. Mm-hmm. I can't really find about its grammar though. Mm. It's probably a beast. I... So well, the... no, but it's supposed to be, I guess, because it was created for everybody to learn, I think it was supposed to be easy. Right. It has a very easy alphabet. It's based on Latin. Okay. So the sounds are supposed to be extra simple and no like weird sounds so that everybody can learn about it. Vocabulary, grammar, and semantics are based on European languages spoken in Europe. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I mean, it was supposed to be inclusive, mm-hmm. but maybe it's a little bit Eurocentric. But apparently it does not have the classification of female and man, male. So it just has singular, plural, present, past, future, neutrality. So there are some inflections that are not neutral, but basically it is neutral. Oh no, never mind. (laughs) So there is an article about it saying that Esperanto is frequently accused of being inherently sexist uh, because the default form of some nouns is masculine. Okay, back to the drawing board. So English. So never mind. (laughs) I mean, it does say here that it retrains the traces of the male-dominated society of the late 19th century yeah. in Europe, which Esperanto is a product of. That's true. It was so created by a So it's Eurocentric and it's male. Yeah. Now let's just put that on the shelf. Well, yeah, it would have been nice. It would have been nice. It is a nice idea. Yes. It did not work, though. We also spoke about clusters of things, so like clusters of children. Oh yeah. So in Greek is davidia, which is the children ungendered, just they. Yeah. And we spoke briefly about when does that become gendered. Yeah. And I guess, you know, from their names, especially within Greek language, but just from their names you understand that they're gendered one way or another. In a very binary way of gender specification. This is like a never-ending discussion. Hmm. can go on forever. Yeah, in Spanish the normal plural is just masculine. Yeah. There's no... 
Well, there is a, you can use the, the feminine plural, which actually some uh, feminists actually do now. Um, they, I actually quite like that. My mm -hmm. mom keeps on using that when she is referring to me and my dad, for example, she uses the feminine uh, or our household. She uses a feminine plural mm -hmm. because... Well, she says that we're more, more women in the household than men, so... What does your dad think of it? He's fine. I mean, he works for a German... Um, what is Stiftung? He's pro-feminism, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's currently really happy because um, they funded a lot of programs in Mexico that have helped to get abortion... Uh, legalized mm. and Oaxaca where I grew up was the first state in Mexico to legalize it and uh, they want to decriminalize it now and hopefully after all the states in Mexico do that Central America follows and then South America as well nice. fingers crossed I think in kindergartens in Sweden now they have this new curriculum where it's gender-neutral teachings and um, I think they teach all the kids the basics of like taking care of a home and uh, washing plates and um, I think even <laughs> I remember they had this image of Batman uh, with a baby like holding a baby and in an apron yes just to show that I get on board with that everybody like if you have a baby that's everybody's work if you have dirty dishes that's everybody's work yeah. if you have laundry to do that's everybody's job yeah. it's just it's not it's so freaking backwards and cypress is ridiculous not backwards just traditional traditional is the word i'm going for washing plates doing laundry everything is a woman's job and what which is weird because for example cooking which is supposed to be such a female thing mm. Literally everybody needs to eat, otherwise you die. How can it be our job? Yeah, I think that's why it's linked to like ecofeminism, taking from the land and pre like providing food. And yeah, why is it our job? Hmm. With this couple in London who started raising their child as gender neutral, and I mentioned they had a BBC Four podcast about a lot of the issues that the adults raised regarding this child's youth was what happens when it goes to school? Mm. What happens when they go to school? And I said, well, yes, school is a harsh place, but they learn from where they come from. Yeah. And kids are just so open, I feel. I feel like the, if, if that kid goes, goes to school and has problems, it's going to be because of the teachers and parents, not because of the kids. Yeah. Yeah, the kids will just be very much. And, and I think that's what happened with the girl I was talking about who was in my school. We couldn't care less. You know, you do you. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I can imagine the adults were like, oh my God, that, that child is in the class with my child. Like, give them ideas. My, so my cousin has two girls, two little girls. And uh, he, the, per the woman he's married to has a sister who's lesbian and they both live in the United States together. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're married, but they're 
a couple mm. and they've been li- living together for a long time and uh, they have never been to visit them because they just don't know how to explain to their kids. I also have to say that my cousin and his wife are very religious. So they just don't know how to, they wouldn't know how to explain to the kids that the sister is living with another woman. But I just think it's so silly because the kids, they won't even fucking care. If you just go visit the the aunt and yeah. they won't They're going to be more happy that they're like, oh, your family? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you give me presents. <laughs> they're just so worried about what questions they're going to ask and how they're going to answer them. Well, you don't know unless you get them. It's just... They're like, best friends. They're classmates. Do you, have you seen that meme of the, the grave? So no. There's a grave um, of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. two women's <laughs> names and it just says they lived together for like 60 years, but they were just classmates. Yeah. <laughs> they were close friends. BFFs. So yeah, I'm sure that the kids are not the problem. I'm sure that the adults are the ones that have the problems in their I mean, our generation aren't aren't exempt from this because we were. No, sadly, we're not. No, we were raised by boomers. Yeah. But I just and the amount of time that our generation don't even want to learn about these things is ridiculous too. I have hope for Gen Z. Or the one after that. And it, it really sucks that we kind of left it to them a bit. I feel like younger generations will be a little bit less protective of their stuff and more empathic. I mean, the future looks brighter than it is now, with gender neutral on the, on the rise, and then people actually protesting against climate change. I guess. All right, always the optimist over here. <laughs> but is English the way to go? I think so. I think so too. Especially, I mean, definitely not Esperanto. Definitely not. Definitely not Greek. <laughs> <laughs>